Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Luke chapter 24, and it was too many verses. I don't have it up here. You guys need to actually physically open your Bibles or tap on your Bible app to Luke. And we're going to go to chapter 24. I will be reading out of the NIV, the New International Version. Amen. So if you want to be able to try to sync it up, you can go there. Amen. But when you have it, say amen. Amen. All right. Luke chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 1. And the word of God says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, from, but when they, entered they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood besides them. Another version says that two men that were in dazzling clothes. I think I see all of you guys wearing dazzling clothes today. You guys all look good today. Amen. And it says that they, they gleamed like lightning and stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day he raised, be raised again. Then they remembered. Everyone say remembered. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked them, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know, does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped 
that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter, then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if, as if he was going further. But they urged strongly Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and they said, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the, the, the bread. Can someone say amen? amen? Have you ever asked the question, why? Why? Why did this happen? Why did it happen this way? Why did it happen now? And then the ultimate why question is, why me? Why me? I, I think it's interesting how when we ask the question why, we, we, don't even, we don't even realize that it really is some sort of internal whine that we're doing. We tell our kids, don't stop your whining. I don't want it. It's the way it is. Life is. We're good to tell our kids that life is just not fair. And you better get used to it. And stop asking why. But when we ask the question why. When I personally ask the question why. It seems to be a very, very valid question that I can ask myself. Why did it have to happen in this manner? Why me? But at that moment that you ask why. Why why? You're, you're entering the realm of whininess and you're entering a, a realm of, of whining about the things that have happened. And you're, because here's the thing, guys. When good things happen to you, you don't say, why me? Right? I got that promotion at work. Why me? I, 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 I got the new job I was applying for. Why? We don't do it. I won the lotto. We don't ask why me when good things happen. It's like we, we accept the good, 
But when the bad comes or when the challenges come, when the difficulties come, we, we just don't want to accept that. And we begin to do the, the adult version of whining about what's going on in my life and why do these things happen? Why are things unfair in my life? I serve God. I'm, I am faithful and I'm a good person. I don't hurt anyone. I, I try to do good in my life. But why? Why? Why do these things continue happening? And the reason in which why, or the reason why we ask the question why, is, is because life comes at times and it interrupts us. Have you ever been interrupted by life? Like, like you got your plans going. Things are going well. Your bank account has more than $100 in it, right? The, the children are being good. They're behaving themselves. Your husband is treating you like the queen that you are. Your spouse, your wife is treating you like the man you are. And the relation, or that relationship with your girlfriend or boyfriend, it looks like things are going amazing. Hashtag, he's a keeper. Things are going well. Then all of a sudden, we're, we're driving along the road of life. And all of a sudden, without warning, without any notice, without there being a road sign saying that this is coming, there is the mother of all speed bumps in the road. And you're going 70 miles per hour. You are cruising. Things are going. And you hit that speed bump of life. And now your life is thrown out of alignment. Your wheels are wobbling. Your tires are wearing out. You're overwhelmed by what's happening in your life. And you begin, you begin to think that just life is not going to ever be fair to you. I mean, you try to keep going. You try to keep the good face on. You try to be the strong soldier but you begin to notice first this family life. Family life begins to start falling apart. And things begin, things then begin to happen at work. Things are not going well. There's conflict. There is, there is uh, confrontations that you don't want to have. And then doubts begin to creep in. And soon the question comes, why? Why? This is the very same thing that happened to the followers of Jesus. Luke chapter 24, verse 14, we just read through this whole passage, and we get to verse 14, and it says that they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. I mean, think about this. They're going along the road. It's a seven-mile trip, and they're going along. Do you remember last Sunday how amazing that was? I mean, Jesus was received with worship and praises. They were shouting his glory. They were shouting his praise. They were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name. That was amazing. That was awesome. And it was a great week, and, and, the, and the church people challenged Jesus, but Jesus stood up, and he always had an answer. That's just typical Jesus. He always has an answer. And it was amazing. He, he did some amazing things, some amazing miracles, but then Friday happened. Gosh, Friday. I don't even want to talk about it. Why do you have to bring up Friday. Friday happened. 
I mean, things were going so, I, did you see that coming? No, I, I didn't see that coming. I, man, I thought we were about to take over the Roman Empire. I thought Jesus was about to ascend to the throne. And then that happened. I can't. Can you believe Judas did that? Did you hear what happened to Judas? And they're going along the road. And they're asking the question, why? Why did Friday happen? And the reason we know that they asked the question, why, was because in verse 21, when Jesus approaches them and asks them what's happening, what's, what's going on, they, 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 they tell them, hey, have you not been watching CNN? Have you not been watching all the news reports about Jesus and, of Nazareth? But here's what happened. I mean, he came in. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word. And before God, he was amazing. He did all these things. But we had hoped See, my hopes were dashed. The plans that I had for Jesus were interrupted. And now all I can do is wonder why did this have to happen? Why did it happen in this manner? Why did this happen in my life? Why did this happen? I, I mean, I thought I was following the right person. Why did this happen? And, and church, I just want you to understand real quick two things. Either one of two things. For them and for us. Number one, either they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. They didn't understand what Jesus was going to do. But if we read through the word of God in Luke chapter 18 verse 31, it's up here. It says, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them. This is about six chapters previous to chapter 24. Previous to the crucifixion. And says, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. And it's interesting to note that in Luke chapter 18, verse 31, this is not the first time Jesus tells him with these direct words. This is not even the second time that Jesus tells him these words. This is the third time that Jesus predicts his death to the disciples but yet the disciples and the people that were following Jesus still were having a difficult time understanding but to be honest with you and if you would be honest with yourself I don't believe that they had a difficult time understanding I think what happens is the same thing that happens to you and to me is that we don't want things to happen the way that God wants them to happen we fight against God's will in our life. We fight against God's uh, work in our lives because it hurts too much. Because I don't see the big picture. Because I can't see past tomorrow. Because I can't be God and I can't know the victories that are coming after Friday. All we look at is Friday and all we look at is the present pain and the present suffering. And we don't want any of that. We plan out our lives. Some of you guys have your lives just planned. I mean, your week is planned. You guys even do meal prep. 
I mean, you know what you're eating tomorrow for breakfast, for, for lunch, and for dinner. And you know exactly where you're going to be. You have a schedule that you're going to keep. And you don't like it when, you're, when your schedule is interrupted. And this is Jesus on a, on a major cosmic scale coming and interrupting the plans of the disciples. The, the interrupting the plan of the Jewish people. This is why the Jewish people wouldn't accept Jesus. Because they wanted, as they said, we had hope that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel not from their sins but from their oppression of the Roman Empire this is not what we thought this was going to look like when I got married man I thought it was going to be amazing now that I'm married I realized it takes some work I didn't realize it's going to look like this When we got married, they said, have some children. It'll be the best thing in your life. And now I have children. It's like, what? It's like, what? We want God to work according to our will. See, but Isaiah chapter 55 verse says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways and my ways, declares the Lord. Though we may think, though you may think that you know what's best for your life, the reality is that you don't even know if life is promised you to, for you tomorrow. You don't know if tomorrow you will or will not wake up. You don't know if tomorrow you will make it to work or not. You don't know if you'll be able to put eight hours of work tomorrow. The reality is that none of us, even though we like the illusion of control in our lives, there is no control in our lives. And God says, I've got you. I've got you in my hands. All you have to do is trust in me. I know you don't like these interruptions. I know you're a little OCD. I know you're a little type A personality. But I've got you in my hands. And all you got to do is trust me. All you got to do is hold on to me. Because this is the reason interruptions happen in our lives. Interruptions happen in our lives. So that we may open our hearts to hear the voice of God in our lives. Can someone... I don't know if you're ready yet, but the thing is that we have to get to a point where we do thank God for the interruptions of life. We do thank, have to thank God and give him honor and glory because when he interrupts what's going on in our life is when we know that God is working in our lives. So there's three things I just want to leave you with today. The cross. The cross came and served as a major interruption, not just to the disciples, not just to the people that were alive back then. It came as a major interruption to the world because what once was dead now has the opportunity to come to life in God. So there's three things that I want you to understand about interruptions. And if you're taking notes, you should write these three things down. Number one, interruptions will cause you or will cause us to remember. The women we read were going to the tomb. They were carrying spices. Now, 
If you know anything about these burials, or maybe you don't, but they, they, when they carry spices, you're not carrying a little McCormick uh, uh, shaker of spices. They're carrying these large canisters, these large containers of spices that they will use on the body of the deceased. And these women, they were carrying these spices to a place where they believed that all they were going to find was death. They were going to a place where they believed that things were going to continue the way that they were left on Friday. And sometimes life is like this with us. There's an interruption in our life and it brings us to a place where we believe that things will always be the same way. I will always be struggling in my marriage. I will always be struggling with my children. I will always be struggling in my faith. I will always be struggling financially. I am stuck in a cycle that I can't get out of. But the interruptions that come into our life they come to serve as a reminder that Jesus is alive and if Jesus is present the things that are happening in my circumstance don't have to stay the same they arrive and things were not like they expected them to be Verses 6 and 8 say, he is not here. There's two men in some amazing clothing. He's not here. He has risen. Remember. Everyone say, remember. Remember how he told you time and time again while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the Gentiles, to the sinners, and be crucified. And on the third day, be raised Again, then, then and only then they remembered. God will use interruptions left and right to remind us of who we truly are. I am a son of God. You are a daughter of God. I am loved. I am more than a conqueror. My strength is found in him. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I can do all things. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not fear because you are with me you got to understand and you have to allow these interruptions that come into your life to remind you to remember that our expectations are not subject to God's declarations God declares that you are a victor then you need to walk like a victor God says that you are no longer dead. You are alive in Jesus. Then you need to get up every morning even though the storm is beating hard in your home. Even though it seems like the sky is falling. You get up and you walk in the victory that God has given you. Second thing is that interruptions. Though we not like them, interruptions will allow Jesus to work in our life. Verses 13 said, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself 
came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. When we come to a point in our lives where there's an interruption, when we begin to remember what God has done for us and what God has declared over us, then when the interruption gets to a high point, that's when God begins to work in our lives. These guys that were walking along the road, I don't know if it's Cleopas and his wife or Cleopas and a friend, Cleopas and another brother, Cleopas and somebody else, but they're walking and they didn't even know as they were downcast, saddened, they were downtrodden as they're walking in their, in their misery, in their asking of why did this happen, Jesus came right along them. They didn't even realize it. And there are times in our lives when we're walking through the storm and we're asking, why me, God? Why does this always happen to me? Why does it seem like I barely get things going and then all of a sudden I get interrupted in life? Why does this continue to happen in my life? Let me just tell you, I just came to tell someone today that if that's you, Jesus is walking right along your side. You need to raise your head up and you need to look forward. You don't need to ask the question why. You just need to recognize that Jesus is at your side. Jesus begins to ask questions. And when Jesus asks us a question, it's because he doesn't know the answer. He is the answer. You ask a question, Jesus, Jesus is the answer, right? We saw the, the sin box. We run to so many different things. We allow people that have no business speaking into our lives to speak into our lives. And the further that we allow these voices to speak into our lives, the more we get stuck in our sin. We get stuck in our ways. We get stuck and we think we're moving and we're, we're putting all this effort into trying to move forward. But it's just not working because we're stuck. And then Jesus comes along and begins to ask questions. What's going on? I mean, come on. You know what's going on, God. I mean, it's obvious I'm stuck in my sin. Well, what, what things are you talking about? Jesus will ask you. See, when Jesus asks you a question, it's not because he needs the answer, but it's because he needs you to focus on asking the correct questions. And he needs you to focus not looking at the sin, not looking at the circumstance, not looking at the storm, but he is trying to get your gaze back on him. Interruptions allow us, Jesus, to work in our lives. Our pain and our present suffering should not draw us away from Jesus. That is our custom. But rather our pain should lead us to the Savior. Because if there's someone that knows about pain, 
if there's someone that knows about suffering, if someone has lived through a Friday, thank God that we serve a God that knows your sufferings, that knows your pain, that has gone through what you've gone through, that understands the human condition. He is not some foreign God that cannot understand us. He is a real and present God that wants to have a relationship with you and with me. And all he says is that when I interrupt your life, don't run from me. Come to me. When Friday happens in your life, know that the promise is there. Death will come to life. The third thing that happens is that interruptions will bring revelation. Verse 31, they, they, they've spent some time with Jesus. They don't even know it's him. He's opened the Bible to them. He's opened the scriptures. He said, come on, go to your Bible app. I got to show you these things. You got to understand some of these things. And he showed from Moses to the prophets to everywhere in, in the Old Testament, the, the, the part that we don't like to read too much. But he uses that and he says, hey, this is what had to happen. This is what was prophesied. And this, what happened to Jesus, was exactly what God said was to happen. And in verse 31 says that then all of a sudden, their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning? Did you feel what I felt? I should have known. I should have understood that when this interview interruption of life happened God wanted to speak into my life my heart was burning with desire for God but our sin our sin can hold us back because we keep asking the wrong questions why why did this happen why did this happen to you why did this happen to me? Back in 2003, I shared a little bit of this story to some of the people in the small groups this week. But back in 2003, our life was in a furious pace. It was hard to keep up with all the things that we were doing. We were, uh, we had our son. He was three years old, and uh, and and one uh, our our middle son. He had just uh, been born. He was very very young, about four or five months old. And I remember in 2003, as my wife and I, we were working. We both had jobs, and we were both trying to figure out this whole parenting thing. And and we were all just overwhelmed with life. And on top of that, on top of that, there were demands upon us from our church and from our church leaders and from our pastors that they wanted us to do this. They wanted us to be involved. They wanted, And we felt so overwhelmed by life. We felt burned out by everything that was happening. I remember that my wife and I, we sat down and we, we spoke and we began to ask the question, why? Why us? Why can't somebody else do it? 
Why is it us that has to be always involved? Why do we? Why are we the ones that are always having to show up? Why is it that if we don't show up, we're the ones that get in trouble? Why is it that when others don't show up, we're the ones that get in trouble? Why me? Why us? And my wife and I, in a moment of just being overwhelmed, in a moment of probably where our our, our spiritual life was not where it needed to be. I remember we talked about this and we discussed this. We said we had this great idea. Why don't we just get up? Why don't you and I get up, we take our kids, and we go to a city where no one knows us? Because that way, if we wake up on Sunday morning and we decide to go to church, it's my choice. No one's making me do it. It's not because there's an expectation of Daniel showing up and leading worship. Daniel showing up and giving the Sunday school lesson. Daniel showing up and being in a position where honestly his heart was just not right. Why don't you and I, we get up. We make him realize that we do so much, they're going to miss us. Man, they are going to just be, wow, I can't believe they left. And we started talking about the different cities that we could go to. And we finally came down to a city. We began making plans. And actually, my wife quit, put in her two-week notice because we were moving. And we were thinking, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to move. And we're going to live the life that we want to live, not the life that is being dictated to us by others. And I remember through all this process, I have a cousin that his son was going through a very bad, bad situation. He, he had leukemia. And this week that my wife had quit her job, she had given her two weeks notice. And, and now that Monday, I remember she didn't go to work because it was it. She was done. That week, my cousin's son passed away. And I remember that we were helping with the, the preparations for this funeral for a nine-year-old. And once again, we're overwhelmed by all the expectations that are upon us. I got to gather the music. I got to make a slideshow. I got to do this and I, and I got to do that. And it's fine because I love my cousin and because I wanted to help out. But it, once again, all the feelings and all the emotions of why does it always have to be us? We are doing the right thing. As soon as this is done, we are going to start packing up. We're going to let people know we're leaving. And I remember that as... We were getting ready that day to go to the funeral. Slideshow in hand. Things that we needed to take ready to go. I remember that as we got out the door, we had my three-year-old, my four or five-month-old in the baby seat. And we're struggling, trying to gather all these things. And as we walk out the door, uh, not even knowing, all of a sudden, my, my, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law pull up uh, to the house. And they say, hey, guys, you guys go. Leave the kids with us. That way you're not too uh, burdened down by all these things and having to worry about that. We're like, great. We'll leave. We'll take off. We didn't miss a beat. We got in the car. 
And we're driving along 635, if you guys know 635. We're driving, heading towards Mesquite, and we're going close to where the, uh, the 30 and 635 interchange are at. And as we're getting to, uh, to 30, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this car comes right across the freeway, and we slam into them, and our car rolled four times on the freeway as I was going 65, 70 miles an hour. I remember as the car, I didn't know in that moment that the car was spinning in the air. I just knew something bad was happening. I just knew that life had slowed down. I just knew that all of a sudden I was thinking about all the different things I've experienced in, in life. And I remember thinking I'm going to die. Then all of a sudden I, I remember opening my eyes and I really couldn't see anything. I was, uh, I was, I had a concussion or something. I couldn't see. And I remember all of a sudden, as I'm, I'm reaching out, trying to call to my wife, and my, my breath doesn't work. It's not working. I can't catch my breath. And I'm calling, honey, Sonia, babe. And I remember her beating me against the chest, trying to see if I'm alive. When all of a sudden, I remember someone on my side. Opened the door and said, hey, it's going to be okay. Help is on the way. And he began to pray for me. I couldn't see clearly. I didn't see the person. And unbeknownst to me, the same thing was happening on the right side. My wife, some lady had walked up to her and said, it's going to be fine. I'm going to pray for you. So there we are, both of us just trying to gather ourselves, trying to catch our breath, knowing that we're hurting. I had just, I could feel something was wrong in my foot. Something was wrong in my ankle. I knew I had broken it, and I just didn't know how bad it was. These people prayed for us. And I remember clearly his words. He said, Father, help your children in these difficult times that are coming and let your will be done in their lives and then he walked away we never saw him again I remember a few days later I had surgery that's how bad my ankle was broken I had to have two screws put in there that I carry to this day as a reminder of that day and I remember when I got home, my wife and I, we were both so broken by what had happened. Little did we know what the consequences or the difficulties that were going to be coming our way. And we're laying in bed, and I was laying, I remember it was a moment where I was by myself in my room. I didn't want to get up because when you were in a car accident like that, just to even try to lift yourself off the bed, it hurts so much from the soreness that you're feeling. I remember that I was meditating, and I was asking myself, why did this happen? Why? Things were going well, God. We had a plan. Yeah, we, we didn't want to do certain things anymore, but we wanted to do it on our own accord. We wanted to do it our way, and we still wanted to serve you. We still wanted to love you, and we still were going to be in your presence, in your, in, your, in, your, in your church, in your will. But why did this happen? 
And I remember in that moment as I was laying in bed that I don't say this very often, but I clearly, clearly heard the voice of God speaking to my life and said, Daniel, you were running away from me. And in that interruption of the plans that I had laid out for my life, God brought a revelation into my life. He told me, I have a plan for your life. You can't see it right now. What you're going through is taking you somewhere. And you may not like it. You may not feel it all the time. But you must remain faithful to me. Then began one of the hardest years of our lives. I lost my job. My wife wasn't working. God had always blessed us. Here we are applying for food stamps. I had to be driven everywhere for three months, and then after the three months, my cast was taken off. I couldn't walk right. I had to learn how to correctly point my foot as I'm walking because I didn't want to look like a, a, like a, a lame person for the rest of my life. And I remember how difficult those times. Our marriage was tested. But every time I felt like giving up, I would remember the words of God in my life. I have a plan for you. It could have easily been you and your two boys. But I saved your boys just in time. And every time I see my son leading worship, and every time I see my other son just be so worried about the graphics and so worried about the things that we need to do, reminds me, God's got this. It may be raining outside, and it may be difficult in life, but God's got this. He made a promise to you, and I come to tell you today that God has made a promise to you as well. He went to that cross because he promises to be with you all the days of your life. But something was blocking your relationship with God. And as simply as I can put it is sin. And God said, I want a relationship with you. I want a relationship with you. That I am willing to lay down my life. I am willing to interrupt history. I am willing to step down from the throne of heaven and humble myself and be born as a lamb in a manger. Without all the fanfare that I should receive because I am, after all, the creator of this universe. I am, after all, the God of gods, the king of kings. I will humbly come. I will grow up as one of you. When I fall my, and I skid my knee, that's going to hurt me. 
When my parents fight, I'm going to get scared also. Kids might say something about me. I may be bullied. I may be treated wrong. But that's how much I love you. That I will bring myself down to a level that is not worthy of me. Because after all, I am God. And I will allow for them to hang me on a cross. Because there is something real separating you from God. And there is a price that needs to be paid. God interrupted time. Sent his son Jesus to hang on a cross. So big was the interruption of time that the timeline was split in half. B.C. and A.D. So big was his impact on this world. In a time where there was no social media, yet 2,000 years later, on this day, every year, that's all you see on social media. This humble carpenter from Nazareth, from the Sea of Galilee, was born into this world. And he came to give his life to you and to me. He is willing to interrupt your life because he loves you. And he tells you today, son, give your life to me. My plans are greater than your plans. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are greater than your ways. You just have to trust me. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I truly believe God is present in this moment. I believe God is working in people's hearts in this moment. Because some of us here today, we've been fighting against God. We've been going against his will. We're trying to make decisions and trying to figure out our life. We are asking the question, why is this happening to me? I think I've got the answers. I think I know what I should do. But always, always something is happening. Let me tell you, let me just ask you that as we're praying this. Is is it possible that the interruption you're going through right now, is it possible that God is trying to get your attention? Is it possible that God is speaking into your life? And if so, God, I am here and I am willing to open my heart. I am willing to hear your voice. I ask you, Jesus, speak into my life today. I open my heart. I open my mind. I give myself to you, Jesus. I am tired of doing it my way. I am tired of living life without you.